Welcome to the second episode of the Easier Said Than Done podcast. My name is Brandon Donahue, joined by Bob Horgan and Dave Toscano. Fellas, how we doing? Big Don, Big Bob. What's up? How we doing? Not too bad besides uh, school just getting pushed online, which not that cool, but more weekends and days are going to be longer, so more drinks. Yeah, as of as of about uh, twenty minutes ago, UNH is now following the uh, the U in UMass's footsteps of uh, pushing to all online classes um, for at least the next two weeks or so. I guess cases here have kind of gotten out of control, um, but D- Dave knows a little bit about online classes, considering at this point half of college for him has been online classes. So yeah, we're almost at that point. Almost, Which is very, it's it's so depressing to think that way. It's okay. You uh, deal with the cards you dealt. Profound, profound wisdom from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, boys. Since we uh, since we talked last, Tom Brady won his seventh Super Bowl ring. Um, undisputed goat. Not even going to take an argument about it. If you give me an argument about it, I'm actually going to question your intelligence for as long as I know you. Um, they just manhandled the Chiefs. That wasn't even. There was no competition there. There was never really a question, even though I'm not going to lie to you, I was watching that entire game and I was thinking to myself, at what point is the chiefs that are the chiefs going to pop out? Like it was bound to happen. They had nine points going into going into the fourth quarter. And you thought it was inevitable that Mahomes was going to pull something out. Hill was going to break off for a 60 yard touchdown. Something like that was going to happen. I know everyone's been talking about how, you know, Mahomes has probably played, played a really good game. Um, with all things considered, his offensive line sucking. I'm not sure he played that great of a game, to be completely honest with you. He looked disheveled, and I know that's what happens when you get rough, you get pressured on half of um, the draw packs that you have, but he didn't step up in the pocket very much at all. Um, it was constant, you know, bouncing to the outside and trying to make a, th- a throw across his body. I think, you know, it's obviously easier for me to say it, but, you know, he probably could have been a little bit more composed in some of those games. Um, as for Brady winning, I mean, he honestly didn't even really do anything special because he didn't need to. Um, he, he managed the game like he needed to. He made no mistakes. He played a perfect game. But, you know, he, he, it was not a, a historic performance by any means. But in some – I mean, in a, big, in a big sense, it was a historic performance because he's getting his seventh ring. Uh, Bob, what do you think? Yeah, no, um, I – Spot on with the Mahomes take. I think that, you know, it will go down that he, you know, his team didn't help him, but I don't think he really helped himself throughout the whole night. He just didn't look comfortable. Um, and I've never really been in the situation, but I'm assuming knowing that you get guys like Shaq Barrett and JPP coming at you every single down, you know, I wouldn't be too comfortable either. But I just felt like they kind of, their game plan should have been a little different. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, deeper routes. Um, I thought Clyde Edwards-Hilaire ran the ball pretty well when they gave it to him, uh, even Darrell Williams. But I just think wasn't there enough. Um, they just didn't give it to him enough. And I think that that kind of set them back. Um, especially Tampa, I think you watched. I would say Tampa had two down linemen the whole game. And, you know, Sue and Vita Vey are both, you know, two of the better defensive tackles. But I just kind of think that Kansas City needed to do something else than what they did. Obviously, you, you don't score a touchdown. You're the best offense in football. Um, it's a little interesting. And then on the Tampa side, I just think, Brady, yeah, Brady did enough to win. Um, that defense was unreal. 
Um, that will probably go down as one of the better performances of a Super Bowl defense. Um, like the names on that defense are just stacked all throughout. And I just think kind of offensively, you know, Fournette, uh, Leonard Fournette had a huge game, which I didn't really see coming. I know he's been kind of their guy, but I think he had 130 yards total, um, which, again, didn't really see coming. But, you know, you, he was taken number four, number four in the draft for a reason. Um, was a number one recruit coming out of high school and kind of – he's still, what, 25 years old and kind of just had his, had his big game. And you might call it his breakout game, but he's kind of been a guy in the league already. And I just think that kind of added another feather in his cap. Yeah, I mean, after that, that – it seemed like that Detroit game was the turning point in their season. Um, I think it was a line that – Brady had five touchdown passes and like 350 passing yards um, at half in that game. And from there, everything changed for them. They looked like they were on a roll. You know, you, you could almost argue that their offense was a different, different offense once Leonard Fournette took over the main back uh, role. Um, you know, honestly, he looked, like a, he looked like a running back this entire postseason run that you could argue that Brady's never even had before. Um, you know, they've always had decent running backs on these playoff stretches, uh, but Fournette looked like a, a marquee back. And a stat that I saw was that since, I think, 2009 or 2008, every single starting running back on a championship-winning team has a running back that's making less than $2.5 million a year. So it really makes you question these, um, these contracts that are being given out to the Christian McCaffreys of the world, the Ezekiel Elliotts of the world. I'm sure the, that are going to be coming to the Dalvin Cooks of the world. Um, you know, in a league where there's a constant argument that running back significance is becoming less and less relevant, um, Fournette really showed off, you know, that for, running backs are still important, even if they're not as important as they might once have been. Um, how about Tom Brady getting hammered yesterday, huh? <laughs> Unreal. I, like – that's that's never happening if he's if he's a patriot. I feel like he I know he's won a bunch of Super Bowls, but like I know he's just gonna throw those Super Bowl over to another boat. Like what if that went in the water? Like the See, other, I think that, I think that's, not be happy. I think it's more on the guy who drops it than it is on him. Because he's he's in untouchable space right now. Also, he's hammered. So like people are just like, Oh, look at that look at that asshole who dropped it in the water. Not going to be like, why is Brady throwing it across the boat? Um, that video of him getting, like, helped off into the next boat, did you know that the guy who's walking him through is Ryan Griffin, who's the third-string quarterback for Tampa? So they have the third-string guy just being, like, the sober guy. Yeah, he's the third-string guy. That's if, you're on, if you're on a UNH campus, he looked like someone's big escorting the little across campus after like big little night and the first time that like their little's ever been fucked up before i was just gonna say that <laughs> um, Dude, can we just talk about this too winning a, a super bowl or a sports title as an athlete and like being the guy probably the sickest day of your life right that that video of him winning it and then he's looking for his family afterwards and he's just like bear hugging his kids. I'm like, I just have such a desire to be your kid right now. Um, going back to the game though, um, boys, we called it Gronk and AB were the two leading reception um, or leading receivers for 
Tampa Bay. Gronk with his biggest game in a Tampa Bay jersey. Um, you know, he he looked like Gronk from New England almost. Um, and it, it was almost like Kansas City like didn't really think that they needed to worry about him. Um, you know, Dave, I know he was part of your parlay. What are you thinking? Yeah, well, the parlay um, didn't quite hit, but um, we we can't really take full credit for Gronk's performance, but we will take a little bit of credit because we just like we said, Tom Brady goes to his guys, and who is his guy? Gronk. Gronk's his best guy, uh, has been his whole career. Um, I don't know. I just feel like we saw that coming, and and another thing was the under. I told you guys. I told you. Two high-powered offenses tend to underwhelm in big games, and it happened again. I, I'm really shocked about the Mahomes not Mahomes not throwing a touchdown pass. My buddy somehow called it. He put like 100 bucks on it. I don't know how he knew that was going to happen. But what do you make? Like five grand? Yeah, it was a lot of money. I don't I don't know the exact number, but I do no. want I do want to mention one thing about Tampa Bay um, and Tom Brady. He has, like, this, like, unreal knack of recruitment, like, completely changing a franchise. Like, uh, I saw a stat. All of Tampa Bay's scores on Sunday were not on the team last year. That includes uh, suck-up. So, I don't know. It, there's something about him. Tom Brady goes somewhere. The players follow. It's like a LeBron tactic. Like wherever LeBron goes, there's always going to be the the Rajon Rondos or the J.R. Smiths. Or obviously, those guys that he's bringing with him aren't you know as big of pieces. But like you know, they're they're the guys on the defensive side of the ball that joined the Ndamukong Suze of the world, who signed for like a million and a half, and probably could have gotten bigger money elsewhere. Um, I gotta say, I feel like an asshole. I did not think that Tampa was going to win that game. I I don't know why I doubted him. I don't know how I doubted him, but to like him, for him to be like my childhood hero, my favorite athlete of all time. And for me to not think that he was going to take care of this game makes me sick to my stomach. And maybe I'm overrating Mahomes a little bit, but like, I thought that game was going to be a comfortable two score chiefs win. And it was the complete opposite. Maybe I also have a little bit of, you know, overlooking Tampa Bay's defense and how well that they did, but they were never going to lose that game. Yeah. I think kind of you're just talking about the defense. I just think that, you know, as a fan, you see the, I mean, any NFL game you watch, you know, when a team's on offense, you're kind of locked in when they're in, like, when I feel like every Bucks game I watched, I watched them play offense. I don't really watch them play defense. And then those guys just, you know, had a huge game. Um, I mean, even, even say, like, Travis Kelsey had a career game in the Super Bowl, which is impressive because they just got locked up so much. I mean, he was – I would say he had 10 catches for 133 yards, I think. But I don't think that was – that was not an easy 10 for 133. I think that defense just came up. And, again, I yeah, I feel stupid too. I don't know why, why I would have ever picked against Tom Brady in a big game. We've literally seen him win in every single scenario possible. And, you know, the, the next the – next piece to this and it kind of does seem to be a reoccurring theme when Brady does win these Super Bowls is it always seems like there are a couple of key guys that are going to be free agents as soon as they win the Super Bowl this time we talked about how good Fournette was during this entire run he's a free agent Chris Godwin might have had the the lowest 
or the most diminishing value from one year to the next in a contract year. You go from the leading reception, um, the leading receiver in the NFL to really kind of having an underwhelming role with the greatest quarterback of all time. Don't really know how that's going to go. Mike Evans said he's willing to take a pay cut to keep him aboard. We'll see how that goes. Like I said, I'm pretty sure Nadama King Sue's also uh, a free agent. So there are a bunch of guys that are on one, two year deals here um, or on expiring contracts that the Bucks have, you know, to either make, um, you know, a big decision on, or they're going to have to move on from, um, and, you know, knowing Brady and the recruitment that we just talked about, he'll probably find guys off the market. That'll be begging to play with them. Gronk's another guy who's probably a free agent, but I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, if, if he's going anywhere, it's going to be retirement, but I don't think that's going to happen now the way he's talking. Um, anything else? Before we switch this thought, can we just, are the Bucks the favorite next year? Do they come in as the odds-on favorite to win it again? Is it – are you asking me or are you asking what the books are saying? Just a rhetorical question. Just anybody can throw in their input. The books are saying it's Kansas City. It's got to be Kansas City. But, again, like, that same team is just – I know in the NFL, you know, everyone gets a year older. But that same team just seemed to hit their stride in the last – I think – we're, we're due for a stinker to win. Like some team that nobody's thinking of really high odds. Like, no, it's hard. No, it's hard in the NFL. I know, but we, we've gone through this stretch now where it's, you know, you could say if San Francisco won it last year, I wouldn't say that they were a stinker, but like they had the higher odds, you know, Tampa Bay won kind of a favorite since the beginning, Kansas city won kind of a favorite since the beginning. Um, the Patriots won kind of a favorite since the beginning. Eagles were probably a stinker. Yeah. Before that, Patriots won again since the beginning. Like, there's always a couple of years where there's a team that, you know, you're not expecting kind of comes out of nowhere. I, I don't know what that team is just yet. I think we can't really say anything until after free agency happens and a lot of these, um, you know, pieces of quarterbacks moving happens. So we'll segue right into it. Um, quarterback drama, part, whatever, already this offseason. Um, Russell Wilson talking about how he's unhappy with the offensive line being unaddressed um, and wants more say in personnel moves. Uh, I got to say, between Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, and Russell Wilson, I think Russell Wilson has the least to complain about. And I think Aaron Rodgers has the most to complain about. Aaron Rodgers asked for receivers and weapons to use in the offseason. Green Bay drafts a quarterback in the first round last year. He asked one thing where the coach helps him out, and even though we, don't, we knew that they didn't have the greatest of relationships, but just put him in a chance to win. You're at fourth and goal with a little over two and a half minutes left, and you're kicking it and giving the ball back to Brady while you're done at touchdown. There are a lot of pieces here. Aaron Rodgers balled out this year. Who knows what he does if you sign him a receiver and you're not you, your number two isn't yeah he's an MVP if your number two isn't Equanimeous St Brown or Marquez or Marquez Valdez Scantling like there's a, there needs to be other guys that are there. Tanyan was a nice little surprise there, but at the same time he was on the practice squad last year. They gotta they gotta address that. I think Rogers has a right to be angry. Russ, I understand like I understand his argument that the offensive line sucked. Yes. He was playing at MVP status the first half of the year. 
He was the odds-on favorite by like week six. But the second half of the season, his QB or his pocket presence disappeared. He started playing like shit. He was forcing it to DK on every single play. As soon as, as, soon as they stopped using Tyler Lockett, that team fell apart. Um, and the other thing is, Russ doesn't have anything to complain about. He's got, I wouldn't say he's a top 10 running back, but it's a very good running back in Chris Carson. You got two top 15, I'd probably say, receivers. The tight end situation is, um, I wouldn't say it's mm-hmm. ideal, but like they're, you know, Disley I, was weird this year. Disley was a guy who like put up four touchdowns in two games in his first two games last year, and then this year um, just disappeared. So they probably need a, a tight end there. But I mean, and they went and got, they spent all of their capital to go get Jamal Adams. So, and I guess, you know, Watson's got his own argument there, but he's still kind of new to the league, all things considered. Um, so I, my whole take is I think Aaron Rodgers has the most right to be pissed out of all. Bob, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I think I would just probably switch Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson in that argument. I hear Deshaun Watson, you don't really have a ton to argue about, I feel. I mean, they're not good. I don't think Houston's good. Um, they got a couple good weapons out there, and then they went and got you a cornerstone left tackle, which as a quarterback, I thought you can really ask for, I guess. I mean, I know they got rid of the best receiver in the league or one of the best receivers, but they still have a couple guys that can get it done. Um, so I think he kind of is just – he just wants to get out of there. I wouldn't want to play there either. They're bad. Um, I Wilson, their line has always been terrible. Um, I think I saw something the other day. They made like a – when they got Jimmy Graham was they traded like their starting center. So it's like, you know, there's a cost. Um, they've surrounded him with pretty good weapons. Uh, you know, you got Tyler Lockett and DK who are both studs. And then even like, like Greg Moore had a big year. Right, Greg Moore is his name, correct? Is it David Moore? David Moore. David Moore. Sorry, I knew a kid, Greg Moore. Um, no, David. Um, and then, you know, like Chris Carson is a bullback. Um, Bell Cow, give it to him. They run it too – I actually think they run it too much with Chris Carson. He's always nicked up, so there's a challenge there. But, yeah, I think – I mean, Seattle was the three seed with the home game. And the, I mean, the way, the way that Russ plays too is he loves to scramble and he loves throwing it across his body 50 yards and everything. And I'm not saying that like, you know, it's an excuse to not give him a, a good old line, but there are only so many things that you can do. There are only so many places that you can go and trade for. And then you went and got the stud on defense after they said that the defense sucked. Mm-hmm. So you gave, you gave priority to the defense over the O-line. And I'm sure Russ had a little bit of say on that where they probably put some feelers out on that. And Jamal Adams after this year probably wasn't worth the trade at all. That probably that looks like a big win for the Jets. Um, but, I mean, you know, he's been to two Super Bowls. He's got one ring. I guess he's got an argument there, but I don't think he has the argument that, that Rodgers has. And I think Deshaun Watson's a little bit of a different case than the other two guys just because he's, A, been in the league for a little bit longer. And his argument's a little bit completely, like, fundamentally different. He wasn't pissed when they traded Hopkins. He was more pissed that they asked him for his input on the GM and the coach, and then they went a completely different direction on the GM. Yeah. If you're, I mean, if you're in Rodgers' case, I think, to kind of get back to it, you're probably one guy away from being the end. I mean, you got hammered by San Francisco last year, but you still, you were 13-3. You made it to the, the NFC Championship against a, one of the best 
like a very good defense, I guess I'll go with. I don't want to say the best ever, but that San Francisco defense was a different breed. And then you go and you got a home game as the one seed to beat Tom Brady, and you were in the game. You you had a chance to win that game. Um, and I just think that kind of shows you need one more guy. And I know there's been reports Will Fuller might go down there or up there, I guess. Um, I don't know if he puts you over the hump, but I just think if you're Rodgers, you – any help you can get. I mean, that the quarterback pick that you were talking about, Jordan Love, I think that was in a couple of years we might look back and say that was one of the worst picks of that draft and just waste, wasteful. The other part is Tanya and Aaron Jones are both free agents this year too. So I don't think you'd resign Aaron Jones. No, not for the price that he's going to want. Price. I don't think you'd resign Aaron Jones. And you got A.J. Dillon prove he can do some. And then Jamal Williams, you can get him back. I think he's also free agent. But then, I mean, this this draft, I'm pretty sure has a bunch of, of running backs towards the middle rounds that are that are pretty good backs, like Trey Sermon from Ohio State's projected to be a third, fourth guy. Who knows where Najee or uh, Etienne is going to go? Um, so I mean, there there are guys that you can get on rookie deals that are not going to be worth the same as Jones. But I think you need Tanyan, um, especially because. I mean, Rodgers has historically been good with a tight end. Obviously, the Jimmy Graham thing didn't work out, but Jermichael Finley was probably his third best um, option that he's ever had, probably only behind um, Devontae and Jordy Nelson. Um, and maybe you can make the case of Greg Jennings too, but Jermichael Finley was such a weapon in that offense. Mm-hmm. All right, um, so heading next, Dave, we're going to talk a little soccer here. Uh, Champions League is starting back up. This week, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, we both have two games. Uh, Tuesday is Liverpool and Leipzig and also PSG and Barcelona. Uh, PSG played in the French Cup uh, yesterday, one one nothing, 2 nothing. I'm not sure. Um, but the big story is that Neymar got hurt. Um, He's going to be unavailable for the first leg against Barcelona. A lot of people are upset that he's playing against the second division French team instead of being rested for Barcelona. Dave, how much do you think this is going to impact them going uh, going up to or going to Barcelona? Yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, I don't really understand. I don't get the reason for playing Neymar against a second division side. You're like, you're one of the richest clubs in the world. You you really don't need to be risking your players like that, especially if you're going up against Barcelona in the, in the first knockout round, um, PSG is a team that's always been looking for that um, Champions League title, and they've never really been able to get it of recent times. Um, they're just – they're way too good for their league, and that's why they always want to win the Champions League so bad, and they just can never get over the hump. Um, and PSG is a, a team that historically kind of trips over themselves in these early rounds. Um, or I shouldn't say early rounds because they've gotten past the group stage. But once they get to the knockout rounds, you know, the round of 16 quarterfinals, they kind of trip over themselves in, in places where they shouldn't be tripping over themselves. Um, you know, they get all the way to the final last year, lose to, to Bayern, probably the right um, outcome, to be completely honest with you. But either way, um, you know, PSG might be all right. They do have the fi- they have more f- attacking firepower than you know one can imagine. They have that guy named Mbappe who's pretty good. Um, you have Angel Di Maria. You have um, Acardi. You have Moise Keane's been having a really good season. Um, so I mean, it's not like they have a lack of options there. 
Um, but you know, when you lose one of the third, fourth best player in the world, obviously going to hurt. Uh, Barcelona is also coming off a loss yesterday to Sevilla in the Spanish cup. Um, or first leg of the, the uh, Copa del Rey semis, I should say. Um, it's been a really up and down year for Barcelona. They've had games where they could, looks like, you know, kind of Barca's back. And they've also had games where they're losing, you know, to teams that they shouldn't even be, you know, shouldn't even be close against. Um, so, you know, I think that one's going to be close. Uh, Tuesday, the other game, Leipzig, Liverpool. Uh, Leipzig kind of been on a roll in the Bundesliga, quietly going about their business, kind of like they always do. Uh, a team that made it to the Champions League semis last year, thanks to a Tyler Adams goal. Shout out the American. Um, going up against Liverpool, who's been tripping lately. Um, you know, injuries have banged them up a little bit in the back, just made two signings at the deadline, signing Kabak from Schalke and uh, Davies from Preston North End. Um, so, I mean, it's going to take a little bit of time for those guys to kind of set in, um, but we'll see, you know, how this plays. I think Leipzig has kind of turned from the, the cutesy sleeper pick into the, you know, dark horse to maybe make a run but they kind of did that last year um so what are you thinking on that one Dave Leipzig's actually like a really crazy story if you don't know about it they were they were founded like in the 2000s it's kind of unbelievable they started well obviously they're funded completely by Red Bull which is part of the reason that they've been able to go up the league so quickly I believe they started in the fourth or fifth division and then they just got like consecutive promotions and they were up in the first division within, I'm pretty sure within their first 10 years, if not sooner than that. And, and that's why a lot of the um, German Bundesliga fans are not like big fans of Red Bull uh, Leipzig because they just see it as an artificial club. Uh, they're just pumping money into the team and you can just start a club and get in the first division and be good all of a sudden. But that's how they're doing it, and I don't think uh, the Leipzig fans are too upset about it. Um, in this game, I, I mean, yes, Leipzig is is now should be seen as a contender because they always seem to find young talent for for cheap. They buy a lot of young players, so they do spend money. It's just they buy a lot of young players for um, cheaper than usual. But I don't know. I I still think Liverpool. We'll get over the hump and move on. Uh, they're just a Liverpool is just a different breed up top, at least, um, even with their defensive um, issues and injuries. So um, even even with the injuries in the back, that midfield is so strong between Jordan Henderson, Fabinho, Wijnaldum. You know, all those guys are are, are world beaters. And then you have you know Fabinho has been sliding into the back. He's been doing a good job there. They finally have two natural center backs who are healthy. Um, that means uh, Joel Matip and Virgil van Dijk are both going to be out for the year. Uh, Joe Gomez, I'm not 100% sure of what his injury return is looking like. Um, but, I mean, they're going to need him as soon as possible. Um, moving on to Wednesday's games, we have Porto versus Juventus, Sevilla versus Borussia Dortmund. Before I go into them, important to note, we are in the round of 16, knockouts, two home and homes. But more importantly, every single game this week in Champions League features an American who's probably going to start, which is a pretty – the only one who might be close is um, – is, um, oh, Tyler Adams, sorry. He's been kind of coming back and forth on and off the bench. But either way, 
an incredible accomplishment for Americans. You have four of the – it's going to be the four most watched games in the world this, this week, and there's going to be an American at the forefront of each one of them. Um, if you don't know, Tuesday's game, uh, Tyler Adams plays in the midfield for Red Bull Leipzig. Um, Serginio Dest plays right back for Barcelona on Wednesday. Weston McKinney is in the midfield for Juventus playing against Porto. And then uh, Sevilla is playing Dortmund on uh, with Gio Reyna, who's an 18-year-old American, who's an absolute stud. Um, so starting with Porto-Juventus, I got to admit, I'm not the biggest uh, Portuguese um, you know, connoisseur of sport, uh, soccer. I don't know too, too much about the league. Porto, I know, has Tecacito. They're also They also just have kind of a knack of bringing in either young studs or uh, guys who were studs who were kind of towards the back end of their career. Uh, I think it's more of the uh, former in this case. They got a lot of young guys. Um, but Juventus has been on a roll. Uh, they just beat um, Inter in the Coppa Italia semis. They're on to the final there. Uh, I think Juventus rolls. If you ever give me Ronaldo against anybody, I'm usually going to take Ronaldo just because he's Ronaldo. Um, Penal, though, yes. <laughs> uh, Dave, what do you think? Porto, are Juventus going to roll? Yeah, I'd say. Um, I mean, this is like the first time in a while that they're not actually on top of Serie A. But, I mean, I wouldn't count them out. Um, they always seem to make a run at it at the end and just win every single year. It's kind of annoying as a Napoli fan. Um, anyways, Chiro's not happy about that one. If you don't know, Chiro's my father. Born and raised in uh, Naples, Italy. So it's in the blood. Um, but I think you will win. You got Ronaldo. He just always seems to draw a penalty, whether or not that has to do with the refereeing or not. Um, that'll, be, uh, that'll be seen. But other than that, I don't really know much about this game, but I do, I do know that Juventus is a better team than Porto, and they, sh- they should move on. And then as for the last game, oh, actually, before we start, or before I start on the last game, um, so Champions League, there are two games on each day. And they're both being played at the same time. Why can't they be staggered 12.30 and 3 o'clock? Makes no sense to me. Yeah. It's- and it makes the games more accessible to watch, too. Just a qualm I have. Um, then we have the last game of this week for Champions League, Sevilla versus Borussia Dortmund. I sneaky think this is the best matchup of the first eight games. Um, actually, these are all the teams. that. Or no, actually, mine. mine. Um, Sevilla, Dortmund two of the kind of sexy underdogs in their respective leagues. Um, Dortmund always kind of plays little brother to Bayern and Germany. Sevilla is usually playing little brother to uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona. Sevilla has been really, really good as of late. Dortmund has not been good as of late. Um, We'll get into it after this segment, but I took Dortmund as one of my picks last week against Freiburg. Did not work out well. Um, I think Sevilla rolls in this one, to be completely honest with you. Unless they can get a couple big goals out of Erling Holland, I don't see Dortmund coming out with this one. Yeah, Sevilla's, Sevilla's a really good tournament team, I'll say that. They might not win the league um, in La Liga, but they always seem to perform. They always seem, to, they always seem like they're winning the Europa League, at least. And then, I don't know, I just feel like this could be the year Sevilla makes it to the semifinals or something in the Champions League. I mean... They win the Europa League like every year. At some point, they're going to start 
challenging the big boys in the Champions League. And again, doesn't look like they're going to win La Liga, but they're a really good tournament team. So I don't yeah, know. I mean, they they got a lot of really good young players. They got um, Julian Lopetegui, I think is how you pronounce his name, um, former Spain and Barcelona Real Madrid manager. Um, little story about him was that he wanted to coach the United States team and the um, U.S. Soccer Federation said, thanks for your interest, but no thanks because you can't speak English, um, which is probably one of the stupidest things I could have done considering the pedigree that he has. Um, before we move on, just kind of important to note, like I said, these are the round of 16. These are, so these games will be uh, 90 minutes at one venue. The next game, they will go to the other team's stadium. Whoever has the most goals at the end of those two games uh, wins. If there is a tie, the tiebreaker is away goals. If they're tied on away goals, then it goes to extra time. No goals are scored in extra time. They go to penalties, and then whoever wins that will move on. Um, so they play this week. They have the next set of games next week, and then I believe they play the week after, but don't hold me to it. Not 100% sure. Um, finally, we are going to head into our gambling portion of the show uh, a pretty good week all things considered for uh for the boys over here uh, i think i did the worst out of the out of the three of us to be completely honest with you but we're not going to get we're not going to get used to that uh so bob how'd your week go gambling uh did a pretty good week um i think saturday i gave out nc state uh they blew out my beloved boston college eagles but just sometimes you gotta go against your uh, your heart so I hit that. Uh, I hit Oklahoma State one in double overtime against Texas in a, a great game. Um, and then I hit a couple props. My parlay did not hit, actually. If you took my parlay, you would have went over because all three teams lost that day. So we won't talk about that. But, yeah, the upset and the lock both hit, so that always makes me feel good. Dave, how'd you do? Uh, pretty well, pretty well. Um, as I said, the under, the under hit. Um, I went big on heads, and we talked about the national anthem over. That was an absolute lock. If you didn't take it, shame on you. That was that was great. I really enjoyed timing that one because she really she really stuck the. I don't remember which word it was. It might have been the, but it it brought it over. It was like five seconds or something ridiculous. Um, the full. Did, did she do that pronunciation that you were hoping for? Yeah, at the end. Yeah, that that's what took it over. Uh, and um, I also took Fulham draw. That happened. And UMass to cover against URI, but they beat him. Moneyline. Shout out James Carroll. URI stinks. Uh, I think I went one and three this week, which is not the greatest. I got um, Pitt covering against uh, UVA as the favorite, or as the underdog, I should say. Um, Real Madrid beat Huesca. That was part of the parlay. Like I said, Borussia Dortmund did not beat Freiburg. They lost 2-1. to one. Um, And then Southampton uh, did not beat Newcastle last week, which I was actually pretty surprised about. I thought that was kind of a lock, to be completely honest with you. Um, well, the MLS king, the MLS king uh, Miguel Almiron. Right. How could I ever forget? But uh, Southampton, as of recording today, just beat Wolves 2-0 in the FA Cup. So maybe they've gotten their footing back a little bit um, now. All right, so we are going to get into our own picks. Bob's going to start. We'll do two or three picks. People have more than some. 
and then we'll do uh, our upset. And then if they have a parlay, shoot. Yeah, I got two this week. Uh, Saturday night, we'll look at some NBA action. I got the Nets and the Warriors, 8.30. I think it's an ABC game. Um, give me the Nets, and I believe that will be the return of Kevin Durant from quarantine and the return of Kevin Durant uh, versus Golden State. I believe. I'm not positive. I can't remember if he's played against them, but I'm expecting a big night from KD and uh, the Nets to roll. And then probably the most under-anticipated matchup in the history of college basketball for people who aren't big followers, uh, number 22-ranked Loyola of Chicago and the 19-1 Drake Bulldogs have a two-game series this weekend. Um, Drake just lost last week for the first time, so they were undefeated there in the top 25, and now Loyola of Chicago is in the top 25. Um, so they got two games. I'll be honest, I'm probably going to go with Loyola of Chicago in both or at least the first, and then you never know that that back-to-back game because it can be a little weird. But so before last week, I sorry to cut you off, but uh, before last weekend, Drake was seventeen and zero and fifteen and zero against the spread. Or sorry, it was two weeks ago. The second game they failed to cover against Illinois State, uh, but they went it. They started the season fourteen and zero against the spread. Um, they've tapered off since now. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Yeah, no, but so roll. With Loyola of Chicago this week, and then my upset special. I'll go back to the college basketball realm. On Sunday, we got Memphis and Houston, and again for the casual college basketball fan, Houston is very good. Um, they're number eight in the country, but Memphis has a lot of big names from the high school ranks, and uh, they're in contention in that AAC kind of that weird like not a power conference, but is a power conference, but really isn't. So I'll take Memphis over Houston with as my upset of the week. Not 100% confident in that one, but do you want a little, a little plus 250 probably, some, somewhere in that realm, they'll take Memphis. All right, Dave, what do you got? Uh, first game, we're going to Worcester, Massachusetts for the Turnpike Trophy game. Uh, big Patriot League showdown between BU and Holy Cross. <laughs> this is an upset. BU has been picked to win the Patriot League. But they've been struggling. Holy Cross one of the worst teams in the country. But Holy Cross at the Hart Center will beat BU. Lock it up. Go Staters. Anyway. Hey, well, I mean, maybe we should insert my scream from the uh, Lehigh Holy Cross game into the, this part right here. Um, if do that. X Factor is – are they allowing fans in these games? No, right? No. So they don't, have, they don't have the guy who's sitting on the bleacher seat banging his leg with the, uh, the pamphlet that's all oh, on the other side of the court as us? That guy. Crazy. Anyways, they also don't have any hecklers going against them. So, um, Dave, I don't think you've ever actually told your story about Lehigh. That would be a perfect time. Okay, why not? So a good old friend uh, of mine, I'll say I'll, it's Dan. Dan's my friend. Um, I went to a – he used to be a ball boy for Holy Cross back in the day. We were like – I don't know how old we were, like 11, 12. Um, so he had a birthday party, and he brought us to the Holy Cross game. And just like the really good friends we are, me and Brendan Rocco decided to root against Holy Cross. And lo and behold, it was against Lehigh, 
who, by the way, happened to have C.J. McCollum playing in that game. Um, we didn't know at the time, obviously. But so we stuck around a little bit. And then later, either that year or the year after, they played Duke in the tournament and they beat them. And we were, we were watching the game and we were rooting for Lehigh at the time. So anyone who said that we're just bandwagons can't say that. Um, and we've been fans ever since. And uh, we have, and Lehigh has not won anything ever since. So we made the championship against Holy Cross one year and they beat us. They were like, that was the year uh, Holy Cross made the tournament. They were the 16 seed plan. They were like, they were the bottom seed in the Patriot League. And Lehigh was, I believe, um, three or two. And uh, they choked. But anyways. Oh, they, they make like road trips to California to go see Lehigh play. They've gone to Washington, D.C. to go see Lehigh play. No, 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 no. no. We go to California to go to California. Right, yeah, yeah, of course. We build it around the game. We build it around the game. The team in Pennsylvania just happened to be in California the same week you were there. Yeah, and the same thing happened in D.C. and Syracuse. It's kind of crazy. You want to know what's weird? Kind of just – I'll steal your thunder for like a quick second. Go for it. You bring up that. uh, Me and a couple of my roommates, like when UMBC won, we had seen you every – we went to like three UNH games in like a two-year period. And every year, every time we went, they played UMBC at home. And the year we went, to the, we were like, oh, this team is like pretty good. Like UMBC was, I mean, they were pretty good. Like they won their conference. They beat Vermont. And the year, we're like, ah, we'll just throw like five bucks on fucking them to beat Virginia. That year was UMBC beat Virginia. And we were just like, well. What were the odds? Like plus 16,000? It was like. It was – I don't even remember what the odds were. We won, like, a couple hundred bucks. Wow. Unreal. Wow. After all that, I only got one pick in. So, I'll say my other two. <laughs> uh, so, Purdue, money line over Minnesota. They won last time by 19. I think it was, like, a couple weeks ago. But Minnesota is at home, and they also beat Michigan at home. So, I still I still trust in Purdue. I think I think they'll get it done. Um uh, yeah, so moving on to one soccer pick. I have Leeds to beat Arsenal at Arsenal. Arsenal's having a stinker of a season. Their their fans are used to them finishing, like, you know, seventh or eighth or <laughs> whatever they usually finish. But they're firmly mid-table this year in 11th. It's not great. And the fans, like, kind of hate their front office and owner. Um, and Leeds is overperforming a lot. Like, they were they newly promoted team. Um, were expected to be fighting for relegation or just above it. Um, a lot of people had them staying in the league, but I don't think people had them as high as tenth. And they're they're pulling off some crazy results. And I, I just I think they'll beat Arsenal in whatever state Arsenal's in. It's not a good one. They're a team that loves playing the um, let's score as many goals as we can and not care about how many goals are scored against us, which makes for a lot of the time it's fun to watch them play. Uh, I like that pick a lot, Dave. Uh, but Arsenal is a little hot right now. I'm not going to lie to you, um, even though they are sucking this year. But we'll see. We'll see. You are. This is coming from a guy who went one, one and three last week. So hmm. we'll see. Um, Whatever this guy picks, go opposite. Yeah, yeah. We'll fade, fade Don. Uh, my <laughs> picks this week. Uh, first one is going to be Iowa with the points over Michigan State. Uh, they played just a week ago. And it was only an eight-point game. 
Uh, I think Iowa's a lot better of a team than Michigan State is. Michigan State is not very good this year. Iowa just got C.J. Frederick back, absolutely railed uh, Rutgers last night. Um, looked like a completely different team, the offense that they had at the beginning of the season. Um, second pick I have is going to be Everton over Fulham. Uh, Everton's hot right now. They're riding a high. They just beat Tottenham 5-4 in extra time um, in the FA Cup. Uh, it could be a letdown spot. I don't think it is. Everton's had a tendency to drop points against teams that they don't or they shouldn't be dropping against. Um, but looks like a team that's um, uh, a force to be reckoned with. I told Dave I think they're either going to make top four or win the FA Cup this year. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Everton is my EPL team that I watch week in, week out. Um, has it been not they're not bad, but they have not, um, you know, made the, the big jump that many, many teams do uh, every other year or so. Um, my next pick is going to be, I like, or for my upset, I should say, uh, I like UNC over UVA. Uh, UNC is kind of catching a little bit of, little bit of heat here. They just beat Duke. Uh, UVA is, is bound to get upset at some point here. I think this is a good spot for, for UNC here. Uh, UNC is the best rebounding team in the country. They got four guys on their roster over 6'10. Um, you know, can really can control a game on the inside. I think it's a tough matchup for UVA, um, especially on a, UVA relies on Josh Huff a lot. Um, so, I mean, UNC can send, can send the house at them. And then, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you. Can we talk about what happened with UNC this week? Anyone see that? They beat Duke, and then a couple of their dudes got caught partying without a mask, and they had to cancel their game because Miami didn't feel comfortable playing. Do they, do they understand what goes on in college? Again. And they're, and they're getting tested, like, every single day. Again, COVID aside, I understand that's their specific rules. But just because these guys were out with people without a mask – that does not. That should not result in a, a cancellation of a game. These kids are getting tested every single day. I was just about to say there are college basketball players that are getting tested more than medical workers. Like I would feel fine standing next to somebody who's tested negative in the last fifteen straight days. I think that's bullshit. But sorry, keep going. Yeah, good. UMass too. Like you, uh, we just you. You were talking about the UNH thing earlier. We were a week ahead of you. They canceled all UMass sports for two weeks. And basketball, like they're they're like up in the northern part of the campus. They're just like they don't go anywhere. They just play basketball and they go back to their dorms. I I feel like maybe the school was just doing it to make a statement or something. I don't know. Uh, and then my oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just saying it was stupid. Did good. My final uh, pick of the week. Uh, I kind of alluded to it earlier when we were talking about the Champions League. I like Sevilla over Dortmund, one of the lines that are set so far. They're getting plus 150 money right now. Um, they're at home, I believe, as well. Like I said, Dortmund is not in the greatest of form right now. I like them to, to win two or three of one, try to, get that, uh, try to get that first leg lead over Dortmund. Um, Dave, as I'm watching this, I'm watching Daryl DK come on to make his uh, debut for Barnsley against Chelsea. It's 0-0 right now. Pulisic has not played great. Americans um, abroad. From what I've seen, Calum Hudson-Odoi, that was a ball already almost just scored. Um, anyways, getting back to it. Uh, Dave, why don't you give us something to ponder, and then we'll get out of here. All right. 
All right, so this one's a little less structured than last week's thing to ponder. And we're going to take it back uh, to Civil War times and some Civil War tactics uh, that I don't understand exactly. Have you, if you've ever seen a Civil War movie or uh, an American Revolution movie and it's a battle scene, are you ever, like, confused at what you're seeing? Why is one, one side just stands there in a, in a straight line and the other side will just voluntarily walk forward right into all the gunfire. I just don't understand how that's beneficial for either side, and you can ponder that however you'd like. Boom. Hey, I mean, that's probably why there were so many deaths in the Civil War. Yeah. R.I.P. <laughs> yeah, R.I.P. All right. That's show two in the books. We'll catch you guys next week. Dave, Bob, thanks for joining me. That was all. All right. Later, fellas.